Well, I saw that you have done something that does not seem like typical Joe behavior, which is that you have upgraded all your devices to the newest iOS and macOS systems. Is that right? Scary stuff, but yes. You don't usually do that, do you? You usually wait a while. You usually wait until yeah. like a point one or something weird like that, right? Yeah, I'm usually a point one release person that where these new things come out and I wait until the point one release to to upgrade to them. And in this particular case I opted to ignore all of my own previous advice and I know at least with iOS 12, I upgraded that one within just a matter of minutes of it being available. And with Mojave, I only just did that one yesterday. Mm. So that one's a little bit uh, slower for me. But that was primarily because I had two fairly, I don't want to say high profile, but they were pretty big uh, development projects we were in the middle of. And I didn't want to risk my development environment going down in the middle of trying to do deployments and stuff for those websites. So I opted to wait until those were done, all was happy, and then I promptly pulled the trigger. So I'm now on both iOS 12 and Mojave. Makes me happy. Why did you do that? <laughs> As someone who doesn't usually do that, what was the rationale? I love the the honesty in the question. It's like, what is wrong with you, Joe? <laughs> You know that you'll get no, like, you know, scolding from me. I've been running the betas of both of them for a <laughs> long know. time, but that is my nature, and your nature is to wait. And you still, I mean, yes. you weren't running betas on anything, but uh, it still is is interesting to me. I actually had a friend of mine who saw my computer yesterday and really wanted dark mode. Yeah. And said that her IT department had actually sent out a system-wide email saying that no one was allowed to upgrade to Mojave because there's still a few bugs that they're trying to wait out. So she was sad that she could not have the dark mode just yet. Yeah, I'd be interested in knowing what those bugs are. But regardless, you have thrown caution to the wind slightly Yes, by installing all these things early on. So tell me, what, what was the reasoning behind that? So iOS 12, that one I jumped on... Very quickly, that one I felt like was easier to do than Mojave, and that had a lot to do with the fact that my phone, although I do a lot of testing on it, the testing is typically through like Safari, so it, it's not going to kill me if for whatever reason that didn't work, and it seemed kind of a pretty far-fetched uh, possibility that that would even be a bug uh, that made it into the actual full-on release, like Safari doesn't work in the new operating mm. system. Yeah, not going to count on that one happening. Like that's that's pretty uh pretty out there. But the main reason I did it on iOS 12 was primarily for Siri shortcuts. Like that was the the main rationale there. Uh and that's mostly because I have a handful of uh what were workflows uh in today's world shortcuts that I wanted to use like system operations like some of those are like triggering do not disturb or airplane mode like i i wanted those to just have basically buttons that put me into different modes right and like just automatically turns things from one side to the other like i wanted just one click buttons to do that notice i don't really use any of the verbal commands that come with all this like can you assign a phrase for this sure i could but i really just want the button on my screen like that's all i really want so yes that that was the main thing is just 
getting Siri shortcuts so that it could do like the system operations pieces, that honestly was like the one and only feature I was really after in iOS 12. I also, by the way, have no interest in ever triggering a Siri shortcut via voice. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. That's like the main thrust of it. But yeah, I just have a big old list of widgets <laughs> on yeah. my notification. Oh, no. What's that called? Well, I guess it's the widget screen, whatever that is. Control center? No, that's the thing that you swipe down. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I have a big list of widgets and that's what I like to use. I actually found out recently that you can change the way that Siri works so that you don't talk to Siri with your voice, but you talk to Siri by typing to it. Do you know that you can do that? Oh, interesting. That that might actually, like, I could see maybe doing that. That's interesting. It's a setting called type to Siri. So like right now, I just pulled my phone out and I pushed Siri and it just uh, says, what can I help you with? And gave me a keyboard. And I haven't really used it yet because it still isn't fa- as fast as pushing a button. Sure. But I'm kind of interested in seeing if that's something I might like in the future. I don't know why, but I've never been very interested in talking to my phone. Right. <laughs> like, no matter what. That just isn't something that I'm really, fe- that I feel really great about. The thing that I've always had a problem with with Siri is that I push the Siri button and then I think, oh, shoot, what do I actually need to say to get the right response? And then that, like, second <laughs> yep. of pause ruins everything. Yep. So, yeah, I think that I'm still dealing with that problem, and I haven't really gotten over it, and I still just prefer clicking a button over talking. Now, I'm going to have to look up this whole type to Siri thing, because I feel like I would maybe use the button on the side more if I, if I, I did that, but, you know... I even have, you know, the whole phrase to trigger it. Like, I have that turned off because there's just no point like to me. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Well, so. with type to Siri, what you could do is you could create really short phrases yeah. that are really easy to type. And then you could just immediately click that button, type a couple of keys, and then you're off to the races. That's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. Now, see, that's that's exactly where my head was going. It's like, okay. So as I'm sitting here playing with it, it's like, that I could see... Because, like, everybody has, like, the Siri shortcuts, you know, quick add sort of things to it right now. And so many of those, I'm like, I'm not going to use that because I keep wanting to make it a question. It's like, you know, is it going to rain today? Like, that type of question instead of rain. But, you know, I would change the how that all operates if I could just type to it. I didn't even know this was an option. I'm totally doing this. Do you have one or two Siri shortcuts that are very helpful to you that you'd like to share here or are they all private shortcuts i have some that i've used for a long time like the whole headed home thing such that it calculates how far i am from home Mm -hmm. yeah that's a big one i've got one it's no secret that i make whole wheat sourdough and we've talked about it here before and i have a whole series of uh you know steps that i go in that go into omnifocus so i have a project that's like templated and i have one called uh, bread reminders and I hit that button and it just auto loads all the reminders I need for the day to to make bread so there's there's another one but probably one that I use likely the most is just I call it photo inbox and all it does is take the last photo that I have in my library and adds it to my files inbox so using the files app so all it does is take the photo and add it to files and on my Mac that ends up showing up in my inbox because of course it syncs via iCloud and then it lets me process those photos as I'm clearing out that inbox 
which means, you know, in practice, what this essentially allows me to do is I can snap a picture of, say, a pamphlet or a flyer or a quote in a book or something and then hit that button and it will auto sync so that I can do something with it later. Basically, it's a way of using a task inbox, if you will, but photos. That's that's essentially how that operates, which is kind of a fun one. Hmm. I have a bunch of these like really important ones like order coffee. <laughs> which is all these things do are add a single task to OmniFocus, but it's like pre-filled. So I can just hit the button and it just automatically adds a task to OmniFocus for me to do later. So like ordering coffee, starting bread, pick up a certain book, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's that's mostly how I'm using it is, you know, quick moving information from one place to another. That sounds kind of nice. Sometimes I put these things in here and it's kind of uh it's it's like a hopeful sort of thing. Like one of these is log caffeine. And the thinking there is that every day I would log how much coffee I drank. But I, after like day two, realized I don't really want to know how much coffee I drank. Yeah. <laughs> so I stopped logging it like right away because I would rather drink my coffee than look at how much coffee I've drank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just going to leave that one there. That's a wise idea. Yeah. This one's kind of interesting. I stole from a friend called Daily Setup. And I used to do, and I've played around with like the whole hyper scheduling concept where you put a whole bunch of time blocks on your calendar. And I've tried that before with using like recurring events so that they show up every single day. And it's always created problems for me. And a friend showed me this concept of using a a Siri shortcut so that it will load all of your predefined calendar items. Like you have to trigger it to do that. So it's not a recurring thing. It doesn't lock you into a schedule, but it lays out a template of what your ideal workday would look like. And then it, it only applies to that single day, so that's real easy to move things around your events and such for the day, which is kind of interesting. So I've been experimenting with that one lately, which is, you know, that's an interesting point too. With Siri Shortcuts, I have found that I have been experimenting more than I ever did with Workflow. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, there's something about it I find myself just playing with it more, maybe because it's new. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I find myself trying things out more so with this than I did with workflow. Well, I think it's because it just feels a little more baked into the whole system. Sure. So I would run into a roadblock or two before when it was workflow that I no longer run into. And those little tiny roadblocks did make a pretty massive difference at the end of the day. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm using it more than I ever have as well. Sure. What are what are some of your favorite shortcuts? Because obviously you seem like a guy that would use these things quite a bit. I am, but I haven't really found too many of them that I've incorporated into my everyday life. The big one that I use all the time is a shortcut that opens other shortcuts, which is specifically centered around music. Mm. So there's a few different environments that I typically play music in, my car or in my home using Sonos speakers. And all of that is done through Spotify. So what I did was I created a bunch of different uh, workflows that automatically open and play Spotify playlists, as well as uh, open and play Spotify playlists on Sonos speakers at a specified volume, which is harder to do than it should be because Sonos and shortcuts don't necessarily play very well together yet. So you have to use webhooks with um, IFTTT. Nice. But in any case, I have a widget on the home screen of my phone now that I click and uh, it opens up a menu of like six or seven different options 
of playlists to play either on my phone or on my Sonos speakers. And I click that thing all the time, you know, just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's really convenient to have to do that, especially because the Sonos app is a little finicky. You can't like play it right when you get home because it needs to connect to Wi-Fi and then load. And so it's just nice to have uh, a one-stop click. And the nice thing is that with the Sonoses, it doesn't even have to open anything. It just does it automatically. So that's a that's a pretty pretty good one for me. Interesting. And then the other one that I've been doing as a business owner lately is I found, and I should find out where I found it. There's a few websites that have like uh, Siri shortcut libraries. Okay. And uh, one of those websites had a receipt scanner. And it let me create a bunch of categories. So right now I'm buying a bunch of stuff because I'm furnishing what's going to be a boutique hotel room. And then I'm also buying a lot of stuff because I run a coffee shop. And then I'm also buying stuff because my key house business. Yep. So it asks me um, what I'm buying something for and then asks me what I paid and then takes a picture of the receipt and automatically puts that in a, a Dropbox folder. So that's been really, really nice and has made my receipt game a lot less cluttered than it was before. This is something I do. Uh, the ones that I use the most frequently, I just I create an icon on page two of my iPhone so that I can click them from there, and then it launches shortcuts and then goes into it instead of going into the shortcuts app and then tapping on it. Do you do this? And this is this where you have these things? No, because I hate how it looks when you click an icon. I, I wish oh, sure. so much that it could just like start running the thing without opening shortcuts or go to an app without opening shortcuts. Yeah. And I, I wish it could do it specifically because that's exactly what happens from the shortcuts widget on the, well, now we need to know what this page is called. The the widgets page. What the heck is this thing called? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> the, the Today screen? Is that what it is? I think so. I'm going I'm, I'm to Google it. This is bothering me. We're being really good tech nerds right now. Yeah, I guess it's the today screen. Because there's the control center, which is if you pull down from the top right. Yeah, so I think of it as the the screen to the left of my home screen. But I forget that you can get there from uh, swiping down as well, which I should actually use that more. That's actually pretty nice. Yeah. Anyways, I love clicking on the widgets on the today screen because it doesn't have to open anything. It just starts running it automatically as if the app was opened. Yeah. And this is a weird thing, but have you seen what my home screen looks like? We did home screens at one point, but it's been a while. Well, here's what it looks like now in case it's, I, I, it's certainly changed. Got it. I like this. So I have a home screen without any icons on it because I try my best to not get sucked into apps, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm trying to kind of have a more utilitarian view of my phone as opposed to just scrolling around on stuff all day. Sure. And I've deleted Twitter and I've reinstalled Twitter and I'm still on Twitter, but not having a bunch of icons makes me less likely to just go and open them. Sure. And then I kind of have a few different mantras and things that I want to remind myself of. And I will actually write that on top of a photo and then make that my uh, background. So because I don't have any apps on my home screen, I really see the today view as my home screen. And so this isn't perfect at all, 
but I will show you just what I saw right now when I opened up my Today View page or Today page or whatever the heck that thing is called. <laughs> okay. Because like, it was the notification center. No, it's, and yeah. And then there's the control <laughs> it's center. It's not that, though. I'm pretty sure it's the Today View. Okay, so I'm looking at Shortcuts, Podcasts, Fantastic Hell. Yeah, and if you kept scrolling down, there are other ones. I have things, I have the weather. Okay. So I wish so badly that I could make this my home screen. I wish so badly that I could unlock my phone and no longer see a grid of images, instead see these widgets, because these widgets are so much better to me than the actual icons ever were. For example, I used to have podcasts in my dock, but what I would do when I would open up podcasts is I would click on it, and then I would play the podcast. I'm not going to like go and find a podcast I haven't listened to in years. I'm going to listen to one of the last few that I've been listening to in the in the past. And the podcasts apps widget, that's kind of a hard sentence to say, <laughs> lets you see the last four podcasts you were listening to. And if I click on any of those album art, it automatically starts playing it. And if I want to get to the podcast app, I can click on the, the actual podcast icon in the top left-hand corner. So, like, that to me is so much better than a uh, icon in a grid. I love that way, way more. And the same thing for Fantastical. If I'm going to open my calendar, it's probably going to be to look at what's next in my in my calendar, in, in my day. And, of course, I can do that really easily with a widget. And then all of the apps that didn't have good widgets, I can now build my own using shortcuts. So... I love this screen. This screen is my actual home screen. And so I'm I'm looking at this way more than I'm ever looking at anything else or really trying to surface apps these days. So one thing I notice here is you're using the podcasts app mm-hmm. now. Weren't you using Sodes for quite a while? I was, but again, this is this is my widgets problem. Okay, sure. When I tried to make everything through widgets, the native apps are going to be the ones that typically do it really well. And the reason that I was using Sodes was because I really liked its very, very clean interface. But now I have no interface, you know? I'm never even opening podcasts because I'm able to do it all through Control Center, the, the Today page, and honestly, my Apple Watch. Because the Apple Watch, when you're playing a podcast or music, automatically shows you playback controls. Sure. So if I want to like skip forward or backwards or pause it, I can do it from my Apple Watch. So the interface doesn't really matter a whole lot to me anymore. It just matters that it has a good widget. Huh. This is a, a very fascinating concept to me, and I'm not really sure why. But <laughs> like I'm, I'm playing around with uh, on my phone, like, okay, well, how easy is it to get to this screen? And it's not as easy as you would think. Like, if you were trying to launch and get to it right away, it's not as simple. I legitimately wish that I could, like, set it so that... I mean, I wish I could set it so that it was my lock screen. Because I don't actually care about... I don't have a password on my phone. I'm not very sensitive to privacy. Because all the stuff like passwords are locked behind Face ID. Sure. So anything that's super sensitive, you would need Face ID to use anyways. So, like, I don't know. I, I think it's a much easier way of getting in and out of my phone. But yeah, I mean, like, I literally wish that I could just click my phone and start looking at it. But from the lock screen, you can swipe and automatically start running this stuff. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not terrible by any means. Like, the way that I have mine set up, and I've been messing with it a little bit lately. Otherwise, I would send it to you because this isn't really how I operate right now because I don't really know what I want. <laughs> but the the way that I've been doing it is I have, 
like my my get stuff done sort of apps on the home screen and the second screen is nothing but icons for Siri shortcuts. That's all it is. Uh so it means that like all of my actionable pieces are on page two mm-hmm. and then three is just like stuff I'm experimenting with, which actually may eventually fall off entirely. We'll see <laughs> that page three. Sometimes I just want to delete it all and make it disappear. Uh, today's one of those days, but I know that that's usually a bad thing for me to just do on a whim. So. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. No, yeah, don't do, do that, that right now. At least. <laughs> no, no. So I'm intrigued by this concept of, Using this whatever it is screen, today screen, now screen, today view. I don't know. It's where the widgets are. That's all that matters to me. Call it the widget screen. So the widget screen, like that's an, that's an interesting homepage concept. But you said you have things on this too. Your task list is down on this too. Yeah, I do. It's right underneath Fantastical. Depending on how my life is going, sometimes I move things above Fantastical. Uh, but right now I have a pretty full calendar sure, and I have uh, a million tasks, but none of them are necessarily um, needing to be done in any certain order. So it makes sense to just see, see them when I, you know, when I, when I want to. Sure. And like I said, the nice thing is that all of these widgets, and I didn't know this for a while, but all of these widgets would, will let you actually open the, the apps themselves by clicking on the icon in the top left-hand corner. Like, for example, with Fantastical, there is no place to create a new task from the widget. Yep. Um, but, of course, I can just click on the app and, uh, and start using it immediately. So it doesn't really feel that much shorter to me. I probably should create a Siri shortcut that, like, lets me either add a task to things or a event to Fantastical using natural language. But I, um, I'm too lazy to do that. That seems a little complicated. So I'll get there eventually. But right now, I'm just still going into the apps to do that. You're not doing the thing that, uh, what is it, CGP Grey does, that he didn't like the icon colors of certain apps, so he (laughs) built these workflows, and now Siri shortcuts, all they do is launch apps. I think that's kind of cool. Like, I get get what is appealing about that, which is you could create an entire home screen of icons that not only open apps, but like open apps the exact way that you want to open the app. Yep. I had done that a while ago, which you had in a previous episode showed me that I could even do, which is that, you know, I could just find the URL for a Spotify playlist, create a shortcut to launch that URL and bam, I'll have a shortcut that automatically opens Spotify to the Discover Weekly playlist as opposed to just opening it. Yep. And so I took Spotify off my home screen and I added a Siri shortcut that let me just go right to Discover Weekly. But the problem, again, is just that it's so clunky to get from the home screen to the app because it has to open shortcuts in between. And uh, CGP Grey got around that by doing the whole reduce motion thing so that it just kind of flicks through them as opposed to doing the, like, pop-up animation to open shortcuts, you know, and then the slide over animation to the other app or... Oh, right. But to me, that looks terrible, <laughs> especially with the new gesture control system on the iPhone 10. That just doesn't work anymore for me. Like, the it, there's a right. ton of physicality to all of the the swipes now that didn't exist when you were just clicking a button. So I could never, ever do that. That would drive me insane. So, nope. Sure. Uh, if they ever allow 
shortcuts to just not open itself and to just launch an app, then I'd be more interested in that. But for now, nah. So what do you think? What do you think of iOS 12 as a whole? I mean, it's not that different. You chose a year where the differences definitely felt more like building upon something from the past as opposed to like a whole new system. Right. So I'm assuming it isn't like that crazy, but are you happy that you updated so quickly? I think so. Uh, partially because of, because like one of the side effects of me doing this for shortcuts was screen time, which is kind of a, a whole thing. I did the whole Memoji thing and I still don't understand it, but <laughs> people, you know, think it's fun. Like, okay, whatever. But I've also noticed like the screen time thing, although that's interesting, it actually is kind of worthless because of the way that I use my phone. And I didn't know this until I had screen time running for the time logging. Like, for example, as I'm looking at this, my screen time for today is nine hours and and something. And I'm, but it's nine. So it's nine hours, 23 minutes. And I have nine hours and 20 minutes on productivity. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay. Joe is super productive. No, it just means I leave OmniFocus open all day long. Right. So <laughs> that's all it means. So the the time tracking thing is actually not that helpful. Are you using downtime? I am, but I don't think, like, I feel like I have enough systems and, and workflows in place that it really doesn't, like, it's more of a nuisance than anything. Sure, it's a nice reminder, but sometimes I need to bypass it, and I find that I rarely will actually hold to it if I need it. Like, like if I if I wanted to go check something, I will. Like, I'll just hit the remind me thing and, and go right past it. So, yeah, it's interesting, but I haven't found myself actually holding to it. And then the bigger one, of course, would be Mojave, since that one has the ability to, like, break your work. But I'm assuming that nothing really broke. With Mojave, I, I honestly, I, the only real reason I did it was for dark mode. I mean, that's why a lot of people are doing it. But with so much of it, I'm like, okay, is dark mode worth the process of me having to confirm that, yes, you can use my microphone, and yes, you can use my camera. Of course you can. I've had you doing this for how long now? Like, that's my current frustration with it, if anything. But it seems like a, I hate to say it, but it feels like a minor mm -hmm. update to me. iOS 12 was kind of the same. Uh, you know, they haven't had a, to me, they haven't had an absolutely major operating system update in quite a while. So it felt like with these, they were fairly safe. Uh, it's primarily why I was willing to jump in on Mojave before the point one release in this case, partially because, you know, my Mac is so crucial what I do. So with, with that, like, okay, well, I'm a dark mode junkie, so every time I have a chance to change fonts to Menlo and make the, the background black, I'm all over it. So that was like the one and only reason I did it. And, you know, I, I even pulled up before we started here, I pulled up like the text sheet of what all is an option, like what's all the new stuff. And I'm looking at like, okay, stacks, that's fun. Never going to use that. New ways to do things in the finder. Who gives a rip? Like there's... <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of these things like okay i never mark up pdfs i never yeah so much of this stuff i just never do yeah so i understand how some of this stuff is like the the taking pictures with your phone so that it shows up on the mac like that's interesting but am i gonna use it not likely like it's just not a thing i'm into but dark mode i'm all in like that's that's a thing i'll jump on every time that is a wise move, and I have been running dark mode on my computer for a good while now. 
I'm going to hijack this conversation okay. to talk about another eccentricity of mine, which I don't think I've been able to talk to you about yet, but I've really wanted to, okay. which is I've fallen in love with my touch bar Ooh. because I found out that it has hidden powers that are hidden away until you start using some third-party software. Have you looked into this at all? Meaning like what? That you can customize it or that features exist on it that you can't get elsewhere? Like if I like for example with OmniFocus you can customize what shows up on the touch bar for the app. That's what I do. Oh no, no, no. I'm talking about much more than that. Oh, okay. There's an app called Better Touch Tool. Do you know about that? Better Touch Tool. I have Better Touch Tool. Okay. Well, then you're you're halfway there, my friend. Okay, what am I doing with Better Touch Tool? <laughs> it basically lets you install whatever the heck you want to on the touch bar. Okay. So right now, I have a Fantastical widget on the touch bar. I have a Things widget on the touch bar. I have a bunch of buttons that let me rearrange windows. Uh, I have an AirDrop button, which is really nice because I've realized how often I have to like open Finder to open the AirDrop window, which is really annoying. Sure. And then uh, I have AirPods connection and disconnection buttons, and then a bunch of other stuff. And the, the weather is on there for good measure, too. So I never liked the touch bar very much because basically this, this was a way that people described it that I thought was really well said, which is that the touch bar is marketed for pros, but it actually feels like the opposite is true where a pro knows all of the keyboard shortcuts and the touch bar just surfaces those and makes them into graphical buttons, which a non-pro would love because they don't know the keyboard shortcuts. Sure. And so the this Better Touch Tool app really lets you make it whatever the heck you want it to be. And now I freaking love it. And why I hijacked the conversation is because I have a, uh, I have a button on here that automatically um, changes my Mac from uh, dark mode to light mode and back in case I ever want it to. Interesting. Uh, but that is one of the least used touch bar buttons that I have because um, dark mode rules. Interesting. You know, I have had and used Better Touch Tool for a long time, like probably two or three years now. And I did not know that that touch bar tab was there. Yeah, I think it's fairly new. Okay. Because there has been, I, and it's interesting you bring this up right now because this plays into Mojave really well because I struggled with, in previous versions, I've struggled with certain keyboard shortcuts to get them to fire correctly. And it's because I do some weird things like using caps lock as a hyper key and stuff. So I'm, I'm like hacking into some of that stuff. Right, right. And I've always wanted to use like caps lock in certain letters to, to do like global actions so that I can trigger things through that. Uh, and it doesn't always work quite the way you would want it to because certain apps with that hyper key structure. So a hyper key is essentially control option, command, shift. And it's like hitting all four of them at one time. And you can program your caps lock key to hit that, those four keys all at once, which is super cool. But some apps mean like they want it to be control, option, shift, command, and then whatever you're going to do. Some of them want it to be command, control, option, shift. And, and like the order keeps changing depending on the, the app that you're using. So it kind of gets frustrating whenever that happens. So seeing that I could add things to the touch bar in certain apps would mean that I could program the, the keyboard shortcuts 
to be the way that that particular app wants it to be and have it fire the yeah, menu action. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. And I have been having to use my computer so much in this last few months because, like I had mentioned on a previous episode, things like government websites do not appreciate iPads. So it is no, that it, that would be no good for me to try to do a bunch of work when the browser on iOS just won't be compatible with some of the work that I'm doing. Um, running a business and starting a business requires lots of government websites and lots of stuff like that. And so um, I've really been using my MacBook Pro a lot lately, and the ability for me to customize the touch bar has been a significant improvement because one of the things that I loved so much about the iPad, and I still love about the iPad, is the very tactile feel of it, that if I'm trying to do some stuff, the things that feel like clutter are totally gone with the iPad. I don't ever have to turn it on the internet because it has LTE. I don't ever have to worry about brightness or sound or like volume levels because I can access them with a swipe or use the hardware buttons to change things. And then I would get on my MacBook Pro and I would feel like all of that little clutter made the experience so much worse. But I've done things like made it so that a two-finger swipe and a three-finger swipe on the touch bar controls brightness and volume. And just little things like that make it so that I can open up the laptop, get it exactly how I want to using the touch bar with very little time, and then be doing whatever work I want to do. And I don't know why, but that's made me like the computer so much more. Yeah. That's interesting. I need to play with this. You should. This <laughs> this is kind of nuts. I did not know because like I've known about uh like the Better Touch Tool remote, yeah, like that whole concept. Like I'm used to that, but I could easily see doing a lot of what I would normally do in that concept, but doing it through the Touch Bar. Because again, I've done a lot of customization like within apps. So, and like, I, I've had a few people like, well, what, what shows up on the touch bar? Well, depends. Yours is going to be different because I have totally screwed mine versus the default. I have no idea what the default is anymore. Uh, cause I, I have, and I, I tell people this, like, you don't even try to use my Mac. Like, it's just so specialized to the way that I do things that other people have a hard time even using it. I think that you might find this to be very valuable. There is a um, a bunch of people who have made like massive installable touch bar mods. Sure. I think the most popular is called Golden Chaos Better Touch Tool. And um, what I did was I found one that I liked a lot and then I like heavily modified it. So um, I think Golden Chaos itself has like a million things that it puts on the touch bar. And then I just went through in better touch tool and deleted all the ones that I thought didn't really fit my life. Sure. And I brought it down to something that was much more manageable and it's great. It's been really, really nice. So if anyone has a uh, touch bar MacBook, you should definitely check this out. I think better touch tool is a paid app, but it's like a few bucks. I can't remember what it was, but it's negligible. And definitely worth it for what it provides. Isn't that part of setup? Oh, it might be. I'm 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 looking right now because I'm curious. Yeah, it is. So better touch tool is part of setup. Well, then if you have setup, interesting. Absolutely, download it. You already have it. Yeah, done. This whole I, I'm looking up this golden chaos thing because 
That sounds super interesting to me. Yeah, it's a lot. And like I said, I probably took as much time deleting the stuff that I didn't want as it as I did like downloading it, you know, and setting it up. Sure. But it's it's really good. And I mean, it's it's pretty solid. Like I don't really have any issues with it. And I'm, I'm like inspired to go like really completely destroy my touch bar and rebuild it now. <laughs> Thanks for this, Drew. I'm sitting here looking at this. Yeah, I think I've wasted your weekend or something like that, but Yeah. Like, wait, I'm sitting here looking at it thinking, wait, I can put the date and time in the touch bar? Yeah, dude. I did not know this was possible. Although I never understand why people do that. Because it's, date and time, that's like everywhere. Why do people want to put date and time on every surface possible? It's up in the top right-hand corner of my Mac. Why do I want it on my touch bar, too? Well, I'm thinking about pulling it off of the menu bar and keeping it in the touch bar. That's fair. That's what I was thinking about. Because... I have a handful of, uh, now this is a developer thing, but I have a handful of like little mini servers and stuff that I trigger on and off multiple times through the day. And I was sitting here trying to figure out would I rather that being the menu bar so that I could trigger on and off or would I rather put a button in the touch bar that I could t- just tick those on and off That's a good idea. throughout the day as I needed them. I'm not real sure which way I would do it, but it's kind of like getting, you know, looking at, Okay, so for the listeners, you have to go look at this golden chaos thing that's a part of Touch Bar, because that's what I'm looking at. And that I could see essentially as a second menu bar. Mm -hmm. Like, that's essentially what it's... But it's interactive, and it's right in front of you. Instead of having to grab the touchpad or the mouse, you just touch it. That, okay. Why did you do this to me, Drew? Hey, see, I knew that you'd like this. I did Ugh. this a little while ago, and I've been meaning to bring this up to you for a while, and this felt like the right time. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that I could share this with you, even though it's definitely going to take up quite a few hours of your life. Why I bring this up and my home screen up when we talk about iOS is because I think that both of these are pretty well reflective of Mojave and iOS 12 as updates, yep. which is that neither of them were necessarily game changers on their own, but they did a few things that made it so that if you do care about setting things up the way that you specifically want to set it up, it's much easier than ever. With Siri shortcuts, with dark mode, you know, these features, they allow you to have an experience that feels a little more uniquely your your own. And then you have to do the work of figuring out how to make that unique setup like exist. And, um, you know, better touch tool helped me do that on the Mac. Siri shortcuts helped me do that on the phone. It's weirdly like more work than it has ever been in the past, but for a ton more detail and depth than I think I've been able to get on either my Mac or my phone in a very long while. 